You're listening to the Adult Explore the Bible Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we'll review the Bible passage for that week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. I'm Dwayne McCray, your host, and today I'm joined by Mike Livingston, who's the content editor on the Adult Explore the Bible team. Mike, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me. We're looking at session eight, which is our first study uh, in our examination of Ecclesiastes. We're looking at two different passages in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 1, verses 12 through 15, and then we'll skip over to chapter two and look at verses 18 through 26. The main theme here is the search for meaning in life, and the summary statement puts it as best as I could, is that the wise person seeks to find meaning in life from God. So there's three big points that are in these, these passages that we'll be examining, and that is limited perspective, inheritance blown, and enjoy work. So that's first one, limited perspective, comes from verses 12 through 15 of chapter 1 of Ecclesiastes. In these verses, we find Solomon has applied his mind to understanding life's purposes, and he does so through human wisdom. But in the process, he found that effort to be futile like pursuing the wind. The main point for us is we need God's gift of wisdom to find life's true purpose. In chapter 2, verses 18 through 21, in that section we've entitled it, Inheritance Blown with a question mark. Solomon despaired to think that a person might work hard and with great skill only die and have nothing of lasting gain. The main point for us is that focusing solely on work and gaining material possessions leads to no eternal gains. The last section of the outline, verses 20 through 26, is entitled Enjoy Work. In these verses, we find Solomon realizing that God gave humans life and work as a means to joy, not despair. Despair arises when we seek to enjoy life apart from God. The main point for us is that we should enjoy our work, thanking God for his provisions. Mike, let's think of this, let's think of the book as a whole to begin with. The book of Ecclesiastes can be depressing. We see these phrases, vanity or futile, depending on which translation, all those kinds of things. It can be depressing. So what can we do to overcome that tendency as we study the book of Ecclesiastes? People have different reactions to, to this book. Um, some look at Ecclesiastes and they wonder why it's, why it's there, why it's in the Bible. You know, it's, 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 it's been called the black sheep of biblical books, even. But there are others who, who consider it maybe the most contemporary book in, in all the Bible. Um, and, and I know that there, there are some, there will be some who are troubled by, you know, how negative and pessimistic it sounds. And from the very beginning, as you pointed out, you know, that it sets that tone, absolute futility, everything is futile. I mean, that's how it, how it begins. Now, but, you know, does he, what does he mean by, what does Solomon mean by that? Does he really mean everything is futile and everything is meaningless? Everything's empty? Uh, you know, that, that word futile or vanity, you know, that's, if that's the key word in the book, and, and I think it is the key phrase in the book, is the phrase under the sun. And that's an important phrase in, in trying to understand what this book is really about. Um, it's under, under the sun, which is Solomon's way of referring to life on earth. 
you mentioned those two phrases. Let me go ahead and point to the pack items. Uh, yeah. Pack item 11 lists the different places, different verses in, in Ecclesiastes that you find the phrase vanity or under the sun. Now, depending on your translation, it may say futility instead of vanity. Yeah. But you're going to find those listed on pack item 11. Uh, we're encouraged to use it in this session uh, when we're studying the uh, verses, uh, chapter 2, verses 18 through 21. It tells us to, to just note that, that where uh, under the sun is used. I would encourage you to go ahead and distribute this handout at the beginning of the group time and notice how many different times it's said in the passages, either vanity or under the sun, or said in verses 12 through 15 of chapter 1, and then 18 through 26 of chapter 2. You're going to find that, that almost every verse includes one of those two things, and we see it. It's not just in one section. It's throughout the book. Yeah, it is. And that and that phrase under the sun is so important. It helps us understand how he uses the word vanity. And, and, it, and so under the sun really shows us that, you know, Solomon is looking at the world from an, just from an earthly perspective. He's describing life apart from God. I mean, that's what he's doing in this book. So if it, you know, if the book, if the book seems pessimistic or, or dark, yeah, he's describing life apart from God. And it's really speaking against just a pure secular way of looking at life. It's is speaking to those people who are trying to build their lives on success or wealth or power. And, and he's pointing out, Solomon's pointing out again and again, the futility of that kind of life. So really it's, it, the book as a whole points us to the gospel, to the need of the gospel. It, it points us to our need for something more than just what's, you know, what's under the sun. So I, I think the key question of the book <clears throat> that kind of drives how we approach it and, and understand it is what is it that makes life worth living? Because he's, he's describing the meaningless and the hopelessness of life without God, life without Christ. Um, so I think it's important to read the whole book of Ecclesiastes in light of that and in light of the end. You know, in light of the end of the book, which, you know, we'll come to a, you know, later on. But, you know, in the conclusion, he, you know, he, he says, well, here, the purpose of life is found in revering and obeying God. And that starts with trusting Christ as our Savior and Lord. I mean, it's not a very long book if you think about it. We, we'll study it in pieces, yeah. but it's not uh, a long, I mean, it's not as long as Proverbs, obviously, yeah. but you could simply sit down and read the whole thing and get the idea that it's a, it's someone who's coming to the end of their life, reflecting on what they've learned. They had the opportunity to experience a lot of things, yeah. and they're just writing down those thoughts. Maybe it's late at night or whatever, just starts writing down those thoughts. It feels like sometimes when you're reading it that it's somebody's journal. I know if you read my journal, sometimes it's going to sound depressing too. Right. Um, right. So I, I, I see that here in, in Ecclesiastes. Now he looks at the idea about workaholics and just focusing on what we get in this life. What are the dangers of becoming a workaholic and focusing only on the stuff we can get here? Yeah, by, you know, earth. You, you can find all kinds of um, articles on, on workaholism, you know, and, and you, you, we can read how it's linked to all kinds of health issues and how, you know, workaholism impacts relationships, you know, all that, all that information is readily available out there. You can, you can find it, but I think it's, I think it's important for us to point out the difference between being a workaholic and being a hard worker. I mean, that's, you know, that's, so that's two different things. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
there, there's, there's a different, there's nothing wrong with being a hard worker, with working hard, or even putting in long hours. What, what Solomon is addressing is it goes beyond that. Now, there, there are people, there are some people who work long hours out of, out of necessity. You know, they have to. It doesn't make them a workaholic because they would gladly work fewer hours if they could. Um, this, this is more of a, um, a matter of, of not being able to detach from work. Don't, don't you think workaholism yeah. is, is when you can't, you can't detach from work. And here's the problem that we face today um, is technology. You know, many of us can work from anywhere, anytime. You know, it's like you and I, you and I can do that. Uh, but, and that's, there's an advantage in that. There's, you know, that's great in, in some ways, but unfortunately for some people, that means working all the time. It means there, there's this expect, expectation that you're always available, you know, mm -hmm. uh, at, at work. Well, and our phones don't help that either. That's right. Yeah. So all this technology. Um, so, you know, being a workaholic is, is just, it's more than working a lot. It's, it's, it's more, it's defined more of a, you know, it's, it's a person who, who finds it emotionally difficult not to work. Someone who can't detach from, from work and maybe he or she feels anxiety or guilt when she's not, he's not working or maybe work becomes how you cope with life. And I think one of the indicators of, of this of workaholism is, is you, you deprioritize de other things in life that are more important like relationships, you neglect those more important things, your relationships, your health and other healthy activities because, because of your work. And that's one of the dangers. So Ecclesiastes speaks to those who make work and the stuff they work for the ultimate things of life. And Solomon says, that's, that's an empty pursuit. That's just a, a chasing after the wind. You know, one I, I think that um, the parable, if you think about the parable of the rich fool, in Luke 12. I think that's a good commentary on Ecclesiastes, especially Ecclesiastes chapter two. Jesus warns us about the rich man who worked and he, he amassed all the, you know, these crops and all this wealth and determined he's gonna build bigger barns to store all his stuff <laughs> yeah. so he could be secure for, for years to come. And, and God said, you fool, uh, this, this very night your life is demanded of you and all these things you prepared, whose will they be then? That sounds just like Solomon. That sounds. Oh, yeah, he's going like to talk Solomon. about that later on. That's exactly what Solomon says here. Yeah. So Solomon in Ecclesiastes, Jesus in, in Luke in that parable, they're both saying the same thing. That is foolish to think that that working to accumulate stuff that that's what life is all about. You think about how many people have that approach to life, though. It's about getting something that somebody else doesn't have as opposed to investing yourselves in other people, uh, making a difference, uh, contributing to, to the craft and the skill or mm -hmm. uh, for another generation. Uh, there's so many different, different ways to think about the value of work there. Yeah, and unfortunately, uh, we, we, we have a tendency to define ourselves by our jobs, you know? Um, yeah. wh whether you get a paycheck for your job or not, we, we, a lot of people tend to define themselves by what they do for a living or by their work. But, you know, as believers, our identity is not in what we do for a living. Our identity is in Christ. And then whenever we try to build our lives on something other than that, then that's, that pursuit's going to let us down. When I'm looking at this passage, especially the chapter two passage, 
we see this idea of, in 18 through 22 of, of you know, we, we've got to be careful, but we also in the, in the, the verses right after it, 22 to 26, found the idea or find the idea that we need to enjoy our work. So how can we affirm our work without worshiping it at the same time? That's, that's funny, isn't it? That on the one hand, Solomon says, you know, he talks about how work can be so frustrating. And he says in Ecclesiastes 2.18, I hated all my work that I'd labored at under the sun. I hated it. <laughs> now, the that's, other kind hand, of, that's funny coming from a guy who was king. So he can say, you know, I hate it. I, I despair over it. But on the other hand, he can say in verse 24, chapter 2, there's nothing better for a person than, than to eat, drink, and enjoy his work. Um, because this is from God's hand. And I think all of that goes back to, you know, you see both, so you see both sides of it, right? And I think that goes back to creation, that, that before the fall in Eden, God put Adam in the garden to work. Uh, he, he created work as a blessing. But, but part of the consequence of sin was that work would become aggravating. It would become frustrating. It would become difficult that was a part of the of sin, the fall of sin he said you know god says the, the ground the ground is cursed because of you you will eat from it by means of painful labor all the days of your life so work itself was not a consequence of the fall god established work before the fall but the that difficult aggravating nature of work that's that's the result of the, of the fall yet yet there's still a basic goodness about work because we were made in the image of a working God. And the ability to work and to enjoy the fruits of our work, that's a gift from God. And both of those realities are, are seen in Ecclesiastes. And I think uh, for us as believers, the way that we can experience a, a greater pleasure and meaning in our work is, is, is to do our work for the glory of God. And, that, and that's what the New Testament says to us in Colossians, for example, um, Paul said, whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people. So ultimately, Christians work for the Lord and not for people. You know, no, no matter who signs your paycheck, I'm, I'm saying no, no matter who signs your paycheck or if you, if you even get a paycheck, you know, we work for the glory of God. So our work and the way we do our work is a reflection on him and, and, a, and a testimony to our relationship with him. Are there any other key thoughts or ideas that you would bring out in this passage, in this procession of Ecclesiastes? Uh, you mentioned the pack item, uh, which, which would be really helpful, but there's also in the back of the leader guide, an article that would be helpful uh, on the word vanity. It's, a word, it's called uh, Vanity of Word Study uh, by Dwayne Garrett. And uh, so look at that also, if you have a leader guide, and then look at that article as well, because it really goes into greater depth about the meaning of the word vanity and uh, how it's used uh, even elsewhere in the Old Testament. That would help uh, doing the Bible skill as well, because in the Bible skill for this session, we're encouraged to read an entry in a Bible dictionary about vain, vanity, or futility. So we could use that article. Yeah, you could. It's right there. It, in the it is a, a way to, to help us help us as teachers prepare to lead them, yeah. lead our groups to do that Bible skill. Right. Mike, thank you for being with us today. I appreciate your insight and your commitment to the word every time we visit. Uh, from time to time in this podcast, we mentioned different resources in the Explore the Bible family, the Leader Pack, the Adult Commentary, Quick Source, just to name a few. 
You can find out more about all the Explore the Bible resources on our website at goexplorethebible.com. That's goexplorethebible.com. No dashes, no spaces, just one solid word. Thank you for listening to us this week, and we hope you'll join us again next week. We'll be looking at session nine. Tim Pollard will be joining me. We'll be looking at Ecclesiastes 3 and thinking about what it means for us to be stewards of time.